Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, I'm having, I'm, I'm having a, a semi-good Father's Day. A semi-good. I just don't think we started off on the, on the right foot. I was there in my study this morning. Uh, just going over my notes for the message that I'm going to share with you right now, and uh, and I'm I'm there in my jammies, and, and Zach, my uh, six-year-old, runs down the stairs and he throws his arms around me and he says, "Happy Father's Day, Daddy! You're the second best dad in the whole world." <laughs> um, he said, "God's the best dad in the whole world." So thanks very much to our kids team and the work that they're all doing downstairs. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. That's what happens when you have a great kids ministry, 50-something kids downstairs, you know, wrecks your Father's Day. Anyway, (laughs) I want to throw a couple of definitions of fatherhood to you. Here's one of them, and it looks a bit obscure. Take a look at this pyramid. I, uh, I saw this pyramid at a place called Cobar in Mexico. It's a, Mayan, it's a Mayan ruin in Mexico. And I think this is a picture of fatherhood. It truly is. I stood there with my father at Cobar and we looked at this pyramid. And uh, what you can't quite see in the picture, the, the guide uh, described to us, but this is a pyramid with four distinct different layers. And when you're there close enough, what you come to realize that each different layer is distinctly different. And you go, well, why, why would that be? The guide explained to us that the reason that each different layer is different is because for each layer of that pyramid to build, each layer was built by a particular generation of father within the same family. For those of you who have done a little bit more life, uh, haven't you come to realize that one of the greatest gifts of fatherhood is to prepare and to provide a foundation for the next generation to build upon. And I'm conscious more and more as, as I begin now in my early stages of fatherhood that, uh, that living life is about legacy and the things, true greatness, true achievement in life comes over multiple generations. What are we sowing in now that helps the next generation win? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning, is how do we help the next generation win? And why I want to talk about that is so I don't lose about 50% of you, or more than that. Because there's a whole bunch of you thinking, I'm not a father, Uh, that's not my gig. Uh, Maybe some of you uh, want to be fathers, and and our hearts go out to you, because this is a very difficult and a painful day for you. Uh, Some of you are saying, that's just, that's not my, that's my gig, I'm not a father father I'm a, I'm a mother uh, I, I'm, I'm a parent but I'm, I'm not a father and you see I'm always talking about form versus function aren't I am uh, from a leadership point of view ever if you've ever had uh, Sam's form versus function talk you're going to have one now you know there's a big difference between form versus function your chair has a form and a function its forms are very different in chairs uh, the function of a chair is that you can sit on it the form of a chair looks very different these are auditorium chairs out in the foyer are some lovely lounges uh, out in the urban garden another set of chairs there's a difference between form versus function and I want to talk about function this morning because the form of a father can be very different for all of us and in fact, uh, the form of a father is very different. Normally, it's in three different categories. Maybe fathers are just sort of either hairy, scary, or caring. <laughs> it's one of those different categories. And part of the biggest problem that when we get to Father's Day is that for many of you, uh, the form of your father didn't match the desired function. 
That's why it's so difficult. It's, it's so difficult for many of you this morning to declare what my little Zach declared this morning, that his earthly father is, in fact, the second best dad in the whole world. It's very difficult for you to declare what Zach declared this morning, that God is the best father, because often when the form doesn't match the function and your fathers have let you down, it's very difficult to see God as your father when you couldn't see a bit of God in your father. And that's why it's, it's, it's so difficult for us to come to grips with fatherhood. And so I want to throw some definitions to you this morning. I'll throw you another one that's not a pyramid. Uh, I, I call this the uh, Oak Factory def- definition of fatherhood. Uh, my, my father, uh, we would drive, remember the old Pacific Highway before the big M1? We would drive up to my auntie's place in Newcastle in the old Pacific Highway. If you're a motorbike rider, you know that very, very well now through all the twists and turns. And so uh, one of our favorite spots on the old Pacific f- Highway was the Oak Factory, the old Oak Factory. You know, the one that, um, what is it, Freeman's Waterhole? Yep. That's it. Pete's Ridge, up around there, yeah, Pete's Ridge, up around there, and I remember it closed down, and so we were driving down, and my dad knew it was the last time uh, that we could go and share a milkshake at the Oak Factory, and so we're sort of madly scrambling through the night to get there before it closes. As we get out of the car, uh, we're there to go and get our last milkshake, and I said, Dad, I've got a wee, (laughs) to which Dad had to, uh, you know, well, can't we just wait until we have the milkshake, then you're really going to want a wee. Uh, and then and, until we, we went out and then we're there at the urinal, urinal doing our thing, you know, father, son, one of those special moments in fatherhood. <laughs> Sword fights. <laughs> it's Father's Day, Father's Day, God. <laughs> by, the, by the time we'd all finished, we were so close. As we go out there, we realized the doors had shut and the chance for our last milkshake had gone. Didn't it, Dad? That's fatherhood to me. Yeah. And I'm sure it's fatherhood or parenthood to many of you. You see, um, fa- fatherhood, the function of fatherhood in the truest sense is to choose to help the next generation more than you're willing to help your own needs. Wouldn't you agree? The moment I became a father was never just because a child was born or a title was bestowed upon me. But fathers, you know this, if you've got the gift of this, that when it happens, something magical happens within you that you just do everything to look after this precious little life. You invest in the next generation more than your own needs. You help the next. And so now the question is, how do we help this next generation win? And I'm going to throw a couple of definitions at you. What is the next generation and what is the win? What is, what is the next generation? Because I said, I don't want to lose some of you. And this is not just about fatherhood, but this is about the next generation. What is the next generation? The next generation is for some of you that you, you've been through those very difficult, difficult years of singleness the entire time. And then you finally are blessed to be able to be married. And so now you're amongst a bunch of either young adults uh, or, or other people that haven't been married and you get, you get married. And so now there's this whole generation that's not quite where you are and they're just slightly behind you. Or the next generation is when you've been through that battle with cancer and you've been through all the tough times and, and seen the way that God has moved in your life and you've gone through the other side of that and then someone says to you, I've just had the note from the doctor, it's cancer. They're the next generation. The next generation is anyone who's just one or two steps behind you. And so what that means for all of us today, this Father's Day, is that when we talk about it in helping the next generation win, all of us have a next generation, right? 
This is not just a talk for parents. This is not a talk for fathers. This is not a talk for 60-year-olds or 70-year-olds. You can be a 20-year-old at university and there is someone who is just that little bit further behind you. You can be a youth kid and there's primary schoolers coming through behind you. And you can be in your 60s and there are definitely people coming behind you. There's a generation. Everyone has a next gen but what's the win? What's, how do, when we talk about helping the next generation win, what's the win, of, what's the win of the next generation? And I don't know about you, but I sort of figure for the older generations, the builders, right, that are here, the builders and the baby, baby builders, baby boomers, baby builders. <laughs> That's what the builders were. That's why we had the baby boomers. Um, uh, what, what, what's a win for that? Often for, for you, what's a win of your generation? A win of your generation was you get the job, you get the house, you get the spouse. That's a win, right? And a win for uh, a, lot of, a lot of the older generation is this, that you just, you, the win is just moving to a point where, where I simply just want to improve the standard of living for the next generation. Ever caught yourself saying that? Uh, that, that moment where you've, you've grown up and you've worked hard for what you've got and you thought, you know what I'm going to give my kids? I'm just going to make sure that my kids can have what I never had. Maybe some of you, you, you grew up in houses where it, it was, they weren't really nice houses. You grew up in areas that weren't really nice areas. And so, so much of what drove you for your kids was to say, you know what, whatever I do in life, I'm going to get there so my kids can have a better standard of living. A win, a win for generation X, Y, and Z, a win, a win just to term, a win for that generation is basically whatever your score is on the PlayStation. You know, that, that's how they define a win, <laughs> right? But that, that was the definition. I'm going to work hard so my children can have what I didn't. Would that sound fair? And haven't, haven't we seen the results of what's happened to my generation and the younger generation because of the incredible ways that you have blessed us, all of you builders and boomers? We think it's all just coming right at us. <laughs> But here's, here's what I'm saying. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't work hard to provide for your kids or the next generation. Here's, here's the point I want to make. I think the thing that hurts my heart the most is that fatherhood I see in our society today, fatherhood is really often just gets reduced to this particular role that in fatherhood, I'm the one who's there to provide a standard of living. And I want to redefine that this morning and say, what if, what if fatherhood, remember the function of fatherhood, ladies, non-parents too, what if the, father, uh, the function of fatherhood is not just to provide a standard of living, but a standard for living? What if the win for the next generation is people that provided not just a standard of living, but a standard for living? A standard for living. And that is exactly what this passage was getting at in the Psalms that we read from this morning. Verse 1 it says, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I'll open my mouth with a parable. I will teach you lessons from the past. And so here we have this, this piece of writing that's this like 1500 BC. This is, this is 12, 13, 14, 1500 BC. This is the thousands of years ago. And yet the principle is still exactly the same back there as it is today, the, the, this, this lessons from the past. Here's the principle here. The most precious gift that you could give to the next generation is not so much to cover their expenses, but to gift them your experiences. The most precious thing that you could do for the next generation is not just to cover their expenses, but to gift them your experiences. That's what it's saying. Lessons from the past, the things that you've learnt 
There are things that God has done in your life. There are experiences that you've had that money can't buy. And that's why it's so vital then that the psalmist says here then, he says, we're going we're gonna to tell you what we've heard. We're going we're gonna to tell them what we've known and what our fathers have told us. And let's stop right there for a second and, and on that phrase, what our fathers have told us. Because this is a whole separate message altogether. You know, some, of, some of you hear that and some of you here grew up without a father. And so you hear a phrase like this and go, well, what did my father ever tell me? My father wasn't around. My father wasn't here. My father told me nothing. I had to work it out for myself. Um, some of you had fathers that are around, but they may as well have been absent because they were silent men. And so you figure they were, they were around, but he never taught me anything. We never, we never talked, never heard any of his words. And some of you got fathers where you heard his words all right. In fact, you can't get his words out of your head. You spend thousands of dollars trying to, trying to work it out with a therapist, you know, the damage that's been caused and done. And if you're in that space this morning, I just want to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. So often as a pastor, I see the impact that our fathers have on our lives. Many wonderfully in a positive way, but many too I recognize as we see a verse like this in adverse ways. I'm sorry. But I don't want to press too heavy on the men yet because look, this principle that we're going to talk about here... The things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us, you could sub in grandfather, grandmother, uh, father, mother, uncle, auntie, (laughs) whatever role that you want to put there. The principle is this, what have you known from the past? What have you learned? And what are you telling the next generation? Are you telling the next generation? Because the next verse says, and it's, oh man, this, this, this one hit me. The verse, this next verse says, We will not hide these things from the past from their children and we will tell the next generation. And when, when I, read this, when I read, read this passage, have you ever considered this? Have you ever considered that perhaps the greatest gift that this church has to our local community is the fact that we are a multi-generational church? I love the fact that when I come into this church as a young pastor, that there are people with grey hair. I know they're the ones that I've got to talk to if I want to know the lessons from the past. And that one of the greatest gifts that we can give our society is the fact that we are not all a church of 30-somethings with skinny jeans and bopping up and down to music and found our little, little slither of stuff. No, seriously. I work very hard, and many of you know this, as we have our discussions around worship and the rest of it. We've had these conversations, right? I will always... Always, as your pastor, find ways for us to find a middle road together, all of us together, because it's so much more than style. There is past lessons at stake here. And I don't know about you, but I don't know of any other organization in Sydney today where you get this dynamic where you can have the opportunity for the older generation to pass the lessons of the past down to the younger one. Which means for us, friends, whether you are 60, 50, 30-something, One of the greatest risks for us as a church is that we would turn up to this place and think, well, the church is just a matter of I just meet with my friends and I do my thing and then I go home. My question for you is, are you finding the opportunities to speak these lessons of the past into the next generation? 
Because, and listen in, older generation, there are hundreds of young adults in this place that need your wisdom and need your experiences and need your level heads. And if they don't have that, they will continue to move ahead into this life lost and wandering. Are you hiding the things of God from the next generation? Are you hiding the things of God from the next generation? And I know this personally. Look, one of the greatest gifts for me, one of the greatest gifts for me is just listening and watching the lives that you each live. I love love it. As a young pastor, as we take these steps forward in faith, the only way, I don't know if you know this, but you fuel my faith. When I hear your stories of the way that God's faithfulness has turned up in your life, it fuels my faith. We step into areas of adventure, and we'll talk about this next Sunday at Celebration Sunday. We are stepping into areas of adventure and faith where from a personal level, I'm not going, God, you've got to show up. It's scary. And yet time and time again, the stories of, you know what, when I was going through cancer and God did this. You know what, when I lost the house and God did this. You know what, when my health was failing and God did this. You know what, when I was lonely and God did this. These stories are so, so vital, which is also an important reminder to many of you. And I feel for some of you today because you're thinking, I want to invest in the next generation, but they just don't want to listen to me. (laughs) Right? They just won't listen. I'm going to talk about how we could deal with that in a second. Or more sadly, uh, some of you want to invest in the next generation into your kids and they're not here. They're not with you. They're not here. They might be overseas. Or maybe they just don't talk to you anymore. One of the greatest gifts that this place gives you is that that even in spite of the pain and the difficulty of that situation, there is a generation here willing to hear the things of your past. And so the passage goes on. Uh, that that we're going to tell this next generation the power and the wonder of God. All the stories of the way that God has worked in your life. Don't think that that's insignificant. And then he says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded to our fathers to teach to their generation, that the next generation might know them all, that the children yet unborn uh, would then arise and tell them to their children so that they should be set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. And so we have a wonderful picture here, don't we, teachers? We have fourth generation education. Have you noticed that? Grandparents telling the parents that are telling the children that are telling kids that are yet to be born. Fourth generation education of the way that these things are being passed down and down and down and down. You know what that is? That's a spiritual pyramid from Kobar. Right? foundations of a grandparent to a parent to children to children that are yet unborn and what they're saying here in the laws of God he commanded our fathers to teach it to their children what we have here is that four generations of 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 parents of the next generation providing a standard for living rather than just a standard of living and so here's here's the question to 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 consider what have you learned from your past what do you tell? What's been told to you? What things are you telling? Like, what things are you telling the next generation? Like, a little more than just brush your teeth, be polite, say thank you. <laughs> what things are you telling the next generation? And some of you might be saying, well, how do I tell the next generation? And I want to frame this up real quickly for us, give you some thoughts from my own years of experience in fatherhood. <laughs> Here's what you do. First of all, you choose first... To provide for someone what someone first provided for you. 
You choose to provide for someone something that someone first provided for you. Here's, here's a question. What's the definition of a kid? My definition of a kid, when I made it up, a, 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 a kid or a child just sucks up the preceding generation's provision, usually without awareness or appreciation. <laughs> Is that a fair call? Yeah. <laughs> it just happens straight from childbirth. <laughs> Some of, some of you have got kids in your 20s that are still in that definition. <laughs> what makes a parent? What makes a parent? How do we define a parent? A parent is someone who's come to realise they now provide for someone what was once provided to them. A parent is someone that realised, yeah, I sucked up provision without paying it forward. And whether you chose to in the conscious sense or not, you are now in that situation where you provide for someone what was once provided to you. And so in the spiritual sense, I'm asking you this morning, are you a kid or are you a parent? Are you a spiritual kid or are you a spiritual parent? Are you providing for others what was first provided for you? Because last time I checked, all of us, in the way that the message of Jesus Christ came to be in this place, all of us became a Christian or a follower of Jesus because someone in their spiritual journey, through their monetary sacrifice, for the sacrifice of their time, through the sacrifice of their prayers for you, they may not have even met you and invested into church buildings that you've walked into. They sacrificed for you and they provided for you at a time where you were sucking up their provision and you didn't even know it. And you came to know Jesus. And this is, this is the thing that drives so much of the vision of this church. I love the fact that we, we're in a church of people that go, you know what, there's, there's things here that aren't exactly for me, but I am sacrificing into this place because I believe and we know it because we're seeing a whole bunch of them downstairs at the moment that are learning that their dads are the second best. We've got a whole new generation that's coming through and we sacrifice and we provide for someone what someone first provided to us. So that's what you do. You make that, you make that choice first and foremost. Here's, here's the second thing that you do. Not only do you choose to provide, but you write it down. Write it down. It just sounds really simple. But have you, noticed, have you noticed how rare it is to get a written note these days? Um, I, I have in my generation, at least. And so uh, what, I've, what I've started doing with little Zachy is I take my little um, uh, from the senior minister pad and I write to you guys sometimes. And I've been, I've been writing him messages. Oh, buddy, I heard you had a great time down at Kids Church and your leaders said that you're, just, you're following Jesus so well. Keep it up. Love, Daddy. And I, I thought it would be a nice little token until um, I found up in his little Expedit, Ikea Expedit thing that he's got next to his, lead, uh, his bed, he's been stashing away all of my little notes in a section of his expedit there that he remembers from his daddy. Some of you saying, I don't have access to my kids, I don't have access to my grandkids, I don't have access to another generation. Write it down. Write it down and give them the opportunity uh, to receive your lessons from the past and pray by faith that they might receive it. But they can't receive it if you don't write it down. And here's the last one. Just be the vision. Be the vision model Model the type of spiritual life that you want to see in your kids and your grandkids, in those that are around you, in the next generation, if there is someone around you. You know, I've found more and more with my little kids. And it often comes in those really sort of convicting sort of ways. We'll get a little Dell saying, you know, why did you talk to mummy like that? 
kids, kids don't learn their life lessons in the classroom. They watch them in the living room. And if that's true for families, then what does that look like for us as a church? What it means for us as a church is if, if you are an older generation and you have this treasure in your experiences, then to what extent are you placing yourself into environments in church? And the most obvious one is a community group. But in what, what, what context? It could be something as simple as the urban garden after church. What context are you placing yourself into so that, that there is enough time and enough vulnerability for the generation behind you to see the standard for living that you want to model. Does that make sense? Find ways to do it. You know, I was thinking the other day, maybe and we should write this down. I'm thinking the other day, we, we should just have like Northside seniors and Northside mums all in the one group at the one time, don't you reckon? I'd love to see that happen. There's a documentary on the ABC at the moment of just the joy that kids bring into the situation. We've, we've just got to, you see that? We've just got to turn that up in this church. We've just got to turn that up. So mums, seniors. <laughs> Very Graham Agnew-esque, wasn't it? Yeah. Hey, uh, look, here's, here's where I'm going with this. You know, not only choose to provide, not only write it down, but place yourself into spaces where people through your vulnerability and your commitment of time, have the opportunity to look in your life. Because they're not going to learn in a classroom. They'll learn it in a living room, a community group living room, some living room. But here is the wrestle for you and me this morning as, as we finish up. The deepest wrestle that I thought, and I asked myself this morning, so I'll ask the question and you can just listen in. I said to myself this morning, Sam, when it comes to investing in the next generation, am I acting like a parent or a kid? Am I acting in a way where when it comes to certainly within this context, where I'm just sucking up the resources that were once provided to me, or am I actively, tangibly looking for that next generation that I can sow into, more than just my own kids? There, there are multiple members of our youth ministry. I think it's, it's, it's almost inconceivable that we've got, we've got issues at the moment that we can't find enough kids leaders down there. Are we just taking all, all, of, all of these resources and, and I, I found the conviction in myself that it's going to take time and it's going to take sacrifice and it's going to take intentionality not only to identify but to invest into the generation that's becoming behind us. And you guys know my story. I am that generation. For so many of you who so faithfully gave into this church since 1983... You invested into this church in the hope that one day there would be a bunch of youth kids around the place. Or you invested into this place, so there's a divorce care course, and a father with his son he come, you know, comes along and they start going to Northside Church and then he sits on the sound desk. I am that generation. I have every belief that the next Sam had, and I have every belief that the next senior minister of this church may well be learning all about Jesus right now as we speak. Because like so many other faithful people before us, and I am so thankful for all of you, and you know who you are. Made the sacrifice and commitment to provide for others what was first provided to you, whether they appreciate it or not. <laughs> so are you a parent or a kid? You know, um, there's, a, there's one of our guys here. He, um, 
Uh, I'll, I'll tell you his story. One of, one of our guys here, he actually grew up in the spiritual sense the other week. And I'll stir him like this because I know him well and we're mates and we got on really well. But he, um, he, he called me around to his house the other week. And, um, and this guy is just a, a legend of a guy, um, both personally and in his own industry. And he said to me at his place, he says, Sammy, I see so many people stuffing up their life. I see so many of these young hotshots in my ministry stuffing up their life. He's like, mate, what if, what if we could just get a group together, maybe a few of you guys from the church? What if, what if we could just get a few of these guys together um, where we could have a bunch of guys from the church and then I can, I can invite a bunch of these 30-somethings that think that they know it all into that space and we can just get real, real quick beyond all the stuff that's around business and just talk about life? And what if we could just put ourselves into that situation where maybe over a dinner or at my place, we can just talk about the big issues and they can see through your example and my example that there must be something more. And I thought, that's the, that's the moment that another Northsider grew up in the spiritual sense. And now for the first time, what is that? That's spiritual fatherhood. He finally said, I'm going to make the choice to invest my time. This guy's a busy guy and he could do a lot better things than hanging around with a bunch of 30-somethings like me and the rest of the guys. He's a busy guy, but he made a conscious choice where he says, you know what, I, I'm going to choose to provide to the next generation what's been provided to me, and I'm going to put myself into a context where there is no other choice that they're going to have to learn from my life and example of the rest of them. What a story, eh? He just grew up, and my hope and my prayer for each and every one of us is we would all grow up this Father's Day and become spiritual fathers. You too, ladies. You too, <laughs> right? Because it's for, not form versus function, okay? What, this is the question for all of us this morning. How am I investing my time in helping the next generation win? Every single one of you has a next. And those nexts, they're desperately waiting for your wisdom and your advice. Those nests are wandering. Those nexts are right in front of your face. And if you have the opportunity to see it, they are around here, they are around your families, they are around the universities, they are around your workplaces, they are there. But what if this Father's Day, each of us, you and I, made a commitment to the function of fatherhood? To consider the needs of the next generation more than our own, to provide a standard for living, not just a standard of living. Is this your first connection point with Northside? Well, we also meet in person too, you know. You can find us on the corner of Oxley Street and Pole Lane, Crow's Nest, Sydney. So why not check out our website, northsidechurch.org.au, for an overview of who we are and how to find us.